Hello, I'm Neil Quigley and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. It's like a radio show on the internet with no music, featuring stories and bits of interviews that I've done during my 20 years working in radio. This week, find out what happened when I went on a roller coaster for the very first time, hear what it was like last summer seeing Phil Collins in Hyde Park and you get to hear me in conversation from several years ago now with the comedy legend that is Jimmy Tarbuck. All on the way in this week's podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I've been really lucky in my life to do several amazing things, once in a lifetime stuff that I've been very grateful for. This was definitely something that needed to be off my tick list before I died. That important this was. I've always been a massive fan of football, played a lot as a kid. As a kid, it was my dream to be a professional footballer. And as part of that, you dream of playing in a cup final at Wembley. Every kid who's ever kicked a football, that's what they want to do. Play at Wembley Stadium in a cup final or Captain England maybe there at Wembley in a home international. That would also be good. I managed to achieve some of this dream about three years ago. I managed to get the chance to play football at Wembley Stadium. Now it was for Cancer Research UK, so it was for a great charity, for a great cause. I got to play a 20-minute match on the actual pitch. Now, sadly, the stadium wasn't full, didn't have 80-odd thousand people in it. Also, it wasn't a cup final, and I wasn't captain of England either. But still, it was brilliant. To actually run out at the National Stadium, get on the pitch, kick a football around, and play a game, albeit only for 20 minutes, it was brilliant. Once-in-a-lifetime stuff, the little seven-year-old me was so excited that day it was brilliant the adrenaline was flowing felt great the annoying thing is I didn't get to score I had a few chances I would have loved to have scored no one can take away the fact for me that I played at Wembley Stadium and that'll be one of those stories as time goes on I'm sure it will get more elaborate and more spectacular and who knows by the time I tell it in my 60s or 70s maybe I was playing at the cup final or maybe I was captain in England Neil Quigley was really lucky last summer. I managed to get last-minute tickets to go and see Phil Collins at Hyde Park. That was a brilliant gig. It was quite a nice day as well, which helps. The sun was out, it was dry, Hyde Park was looking lovely, and the lineup for that, on the lineup, and I'm a big fan of these guys. I went and saw these specially, a hundred them out especially on one of the smaller stages. They had three stages at this Hyde Park Mini Festival that Phil Collins was playing at. Chaz and Dave were there. So I went and caught a bit of Chaz and Dave. Also on the bill, Casey and the Sunshine Band. They're one of those bands, I think you'll find, that they have got more hits than you realise. You'll know loads. And they were fantastic. And the other acts I really wanted to see, because I've been a big fan of this band for as long as I can remember. Always loved their music and their songs. Blondie were there. So it was great to see Debbie, Harry and the boys do all their classic hits and some of their new stuff as well, which was really good. And then Phil Collins came on and headlined the show. It was a bit of a shame because Phil, unfortunately, not in the best of states, not in the best of health. He does struggle with his legs nowadays. So he had to perform the whole concert, sat down on a stool. But his voice still sounds as good as it ever did. Still sounds fantastic. Still, it is Phil Collins, and he puts a lot into it, and it does sound brilliant. It was a great gig. But the best thing for me about it, on drums behind Phil Collins that night, was his 16-year-old son, who was phenomenal. He was amazing. And as you will be aware, if you know any of Phil Collins and the Genesis songs, 
there were quite a few decent drum solos and decent drum parts in those songs. I guess Phil being a drummer, he kind of wrote those in himself, I would like to imagine, including that drum solo on the fantastic song In The Air Tonight. You know the one. If you don't know the song originally itself, you probably know it from the gorilla playing it in the advert for the chocolate. But when his son nailed that on the night, ah, oh, the place went absolutely crazy. It's a great gig and well worth going on. I'm glad I got to see it. It was brilliant. Neil Quigley. I am a massive fan of Star Wars. Always have been since I saw the first one as a kid. I also as about a 10-year-old, got a whole box of Star Wars figures and toys, which I used to play with as a kid. In fact, I then went and sold them at a car boot sale about four or five years ago now, basically just before they announced they were going to bring back the original Star Wars cast, which was quite annoying because they probably would be worth more now than they were when I sold them. But anyway, I do love those films. I'm not really into science fiction. I'm not at all, but Star Wars has always got me. And I'm not a man who goes to the cinema very often. I can't do films. I don't watch very many films. I don't think I've got the attention span to actually sit there and enjoy them. It has to be something that I really, really want to watch. And Star Wars falls into that category. To give you some idea of how bad I am at watching films, I reckon I've been to the cinema only four times in about the last eight years, and two of those times were to see Star Wars films. The most recent visit was to see the latest Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Now, I loved the previous one, The Force Awakens, I thought was brilliant because it just made me feel like I was a kid again. I was watching Han Solo, Princess Leia. It was the Millennium Falcon, the X-Wing fighters. I watched that film with a massive smile on my face from start to finish. I felt like a little kid again in that cinema. It was brilliant. And I was hoping for more of the same from The Last Jedi, particularly because we knew from the end of the previous film that this film we would get to see more Luke Skywalker, his story. And Mark Hamill is brilliant in this latest film. He is fantastic, as is Carrie Fisher. She puts in an amazing appearance from what now becomes, unfortunately, her last ever film. But she does do such a great job. And it, again, made me feel like a kid. It reminded me of my youth. The story revolved around the next generation. It was moving Star Wars forward, which I also liked, but it was the nod to the past that I loved. Those original Star Wars films, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi, they had humour running through them. There was fun, there was jokes, there were quips, and, I don't know, I think the middle three concentrated more on telling the story, but didn't quite capture the magic, the essence of those original Star Wars. For me, the latest two films do just that. The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi have got the original Star Wars feel to it. But as I said, I like the way they've moved the story on and set it up to follow the new generation, the youngsters of the Star Wars, of the Rebels, of the Alliance. There's still more to come and I still am going to love those films forever, I think. I thought The Last Jedi was brilliant. Got a very mixed reception. The critics were a bit unsure and a lot of Star Wars fans seem to be unhappy with the way that it does jump about a bit. But for giving it that, it's just fun family entertainment and I loved it and I, I already can't wait to see the next one. That will probably be the next time I get round to going to the cinema, if I'm honest. Neil Quigley. Jimmy Tarbuck. Jimmy, hello. G'day, Neil. 
how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. Been in the business for so many years and so many great experiences and stories, and you've worked with everyone, Morgan Wise, Tommy Cooper, the list goes on, doesn't it? What was that like? Well, it was just lovely being on the, on the stage and sharing dressing rooms and experiences with absolute masters of their trade in every department, you know, I mean... If you want to go back, working with Maurice Chevalier and Jacques Tati, the great French mime comic, and then through to Gracie Fields, and then coming forward, seeing how Sonata did it, being introduced to Elvis Presley, it was just wonderful meeting these people and watching how they went about their business. A lot of fun, obviously, across the years. I think it's fairly well documented uh, that you had some uh, fairly well-known schoolmates when you were growing up in Liverpool oh, as well. yes, yes. I mean, I always get asked about being in the same school as John Lennon, well, I mean, he was certainly one of the brighter kids in the class when he was a kid. That was to say, that, that's just a fact he was. And I firmly believe he was the genius that was the Beatles. Certainly a big driving force behind them and, and their music, obviously. Coming back to you, though, you had a fantastic start to your career. And you, some people, you know, went years, if you like, before they actually got onto the stage and got to the level you got to. You were quite lucky in that you, you, you got actually quite to quite, high, quite a young age, really. I don't think the Beatles harmed myself and Scylla, Jerry and the Pacemakers. They opened the door for Liverpool talent. And we stepped on the, the fairy tale magic carpet. And thank God it's still there. People want me to come out and work, which I enjoy immensely. Is that what you love most, being on stage, getting up there and telling the jokes, making people laugh? Well, the I think the live theatre, is, yes, is, has always been my most favourite way of going to work. I enjoyed doing the live shows from the Palladium. They were marvellous. And it was amazing what that one word, live, did to certain performers in so much as it made them very nervous and terrified them because they couldn't stop and say, I'll sing that again or I'll do that joke again. You got it warts and all. And I think a show like that is missed today on TV. I agree. I was about to say exactly the same thing. And do you think, you know, there's obviously a place for that type of show? I think it'd be great, you know, Sunday nights, that would make perfect Sunday night TV still well, even now. Well, could you imagine if you, you were there and you, you got one of the, you know, the, the great pop singers to come on? And also, at the end, you said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Peter Kay. And all of a sudden, Peter Kay comes on live in your homes. Or Jimmy Carr, or Jack D, or any of the young comics. We need an old hand, a steady hand, maybe to host that sort of show. You see how well Bruce is doing on Come Dancing. He's the old pro holding it together. You were on that briefly, but unfortunately it didn't go quite so well for you, the uh, Strictly Come Dancing experience. No, I... I uh... I went into it without realising how strenuous it was, the rehearsals and everything. It was five hours every day dancing. It was strenuous, and then I went into this routine, I didn't feel too good, and uh, consequently I had to have a heart operation. You're OK now? You're yeah, you're thank you, I'm fine, I'm really good. Any particular real highlights from uh, performances or things that have happened to you? Well, I suppose it's like everything in life. The first time, the first night on the Palladium back in '63 was just a very, very enjoyable experience and it changed my life. It just totally did. I did that and then um, I suppose they only did five one hour of This Is Your Life and mine was one of them along with Muhammad Ali and uh, Lord Mountbatten, uh, Bob Hope and I can't think of the other one but I mean to be given an hour was a great accolade and, and I enjoyed uh, this year. I went on the Royal Command performance. It was up in Liverpool and I enjoyed that Im immensely, working with people like Seal and Bon Jovi 
and Joan Rivers. That was an enjoyable night, so I've been lucky. I've enjoyed myself. At the moment, actually, I'm just watching some uh, old Morgan and Wise DVDs oh, at home, and it's wonderful. just wonderful. Oh, absolutely, it's just brilliant. It's just it is just hilarious. Well, he was such a good comic, and the other guy fed him so well. But they were brilliant writings by a man called Eddie Brabin, who was Ken Dodd's writer, and they had a bit of a fallout over money. I don't know what. And Morecambe and Wise got hold of, of him as a writer. And Eric said to me, he said, it's like manna from heaven. You see, they supplied him the ammunition, and he was such a great comic, he was. You know, and worker of material. And then he'd put his asides in, which were just wonderful, genuine ad-libs. He'd just have you on the floor. As soon as he walks on the stage, you're ready to laugh well, anyway. there was a few of them. They walked on, and they were blessed that people loved them. Tommy Cooper was one. Eric Morecambe, most definitely. Doddy, who I think is the best stage comic this country's ever seen. He certainly does the longest shows. He doesn't do enough time, you know. I mean, he comes on and just does ten minutes. I think he should do longer. Dear God Almighty, I went to see him one day and I came out two days later. <laughs> My parents had a very similar experience. Yeah, people miss buses, home and everything. There was panic in the foyer. They, there were people phoning taxis and, like, and trying to change and get lifts and stuff last time my parents saw him. Absolutely brilliant. By Jove, Mrs. Oh, yeah. He's 80 now. He's a, he, he is uh, just a great comedian. For you, as you know, you're a very established and very well-respected comedian, what makes a good joke? Simply, what makes a good joke to you? Well, in the words of dear Frank Carson, it's the way you tell them. You know yourself, you can hear the same joke as you do from four comics, and you'll laugh four times because it's told in a different manner. You know, you'll get the hesitation of Frankie Howard when he was alive. You'll get Doddy, who goes for the throat. Then you get a twosome like Morecambe and Wise, who bounces it off the straight man into the audience. And that's where the art is, how these yarns are told. I'm not very good on long stories. Dave Allen was brilliant on long stories. And then don't forget the youngsters either. I mean, you know, I mean, Jimmy Carr's a great teller of a gag. Great teller of a gag. And very clever. You still got the same satisfaction now at telling the great joke than you've got if you told one at school? Is it still the same feeling when you tell a joke and get the reaction? I can't tell you what the buzz is like when I'm stood in the wings and the, the music and everything goes, the light comes on the corner and I walk on. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And you just think, well, here we are, and they've come to see you, which is very, very gratifying. You think, OK, let's have a go here, let's have some fun. One quick thing before you go. I found this on the internet, and I, I can't believe it's true. Go on. Is it true that you have got the number plate C-O-M-1-C? That is true. That is true, blimey. And I've had it for 40 years. That's amazing. I don't drive it very often. No. It's, my, my wife's lumbered with it, but yeah, it's on the car here. Ah, excellent, good, good work. You know, because you read things on the internet, you think, that would be brilliant if it's true, but I'm always a bit sceptical. Yeah, yeah, I've got that. I oh. bought it on a van in uh, Birmingham. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you just phone the bloke out of the blue and say, what you... No, oh. no, he got hold of me. He said, oh, would right. you like to buy this? And I said, if you can have it transferred on my car, I don't know, in two days or whatever it took him, I said, I'll give you this for it. And he said, yeah, and he did it. Been offered a lot of dough for it. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I'm sure it would be much sought after that. But it's part of the family. But I mean, I got offered uh, six figures for it. Blimey. Neil Quigley. Now, I really am not an adrenaline junkie. It's not really for me. I don't like fairground rides. I don't like anything like that. I kind of like keeping my feet on the ground, not into skydiving. Can't see the point of jumping out of a perfectly good plane if it's going to land itself 
in a parachute. I mean, why would you do that? Now, to try and impress someone, I did once go to a theme park. It was a girlfriend I had. I was about early 20s at the time. She wanted to go to Alton Towers. I've never been to Alton Towers, mainly because I am not a fan of roller coasters. I do not like them at all. She, however, a massive fan. And the main reason she wanted to go was there was a brand new roller coaster that had just opened up called Oblivion. Have you heard of it? Have you been on it? Well, she was desperate to go on Oblivion. So we drove up from Buckinghamshire, left quite early in the morning, got up there at a good time. As we got there, the advice basically was the best time to get on Oblivion is right now, is go and queue up before it gets too busy, get on and get your ride done. As of course most sensible and hardcore roller coaster riders would. Issue for me, I had honestly never ever been on a roller coaster. Never been on a roller coaster before. Here we are queuing up to go on Oblivion, the newest and supposedly best wildest ride at a roller coaster you could get in the country. Now obviously pride is taking over here a bit. I don't want to admit to her that I've never been on a roller coaster and I'm absolutely terrified. So I'm in the queue thinking you're just going to have to do this. This is this is happening. You may as well come to terms with it. Now when I get nervous, weirdly, it's a very strange reaction. It tends to make me joke around more. So if I'm nervous, I'll just start joking and messing around more. So I suppose I look fairly relaxed about this roller coaster ride because I'm chatting, I'm joking, I'm laughing, I'm terrified, scared out of my mind, but you wouldn't necessarily tell because of the way I react to the nerves. And it takes ever. We're still queuing for this thing for a good hour, hour and a half. And eventually we get right to the top of the queue. We're nearly there. My heart is racing as fast as I think it's ever raced. We get into the car. And I am really regretting this decision, wanting to get out, not enjoying it at all. And the ride hasn't even started yet. We haven't even gone anywhere. I'm sat next to my girlfriend and it starts putting it away. I think at this point, my eyes are closed. I think I just close my eyes because if you've ever seen Oblivion, it basically slowly, slowly chugs you right up to the highest point. Then it hangs you over the edge before shooting you straight down vertically. And I don't know how fast into like a cloud of smoke as you go down. So it's quite a quick ride, I suppose is the benefit, but it is terrifying. As you edge up, I'm probably white at this point, terrified. And it stops and hangs you over the edge. At this point, I think probably hyperventilated, I would imagine, not happy at all. And then without warning, it just releases and you drop. Your stomach falls through the floor and you go through the hole in the ground. I, I think... Stop breathing. I don't think I started breathing again till I've been off the ride for two or three minutes. It was absolutely terrifying. I think my girlfriend wanted to go on again. I was like, no, no, that's it. You can. I'm done. I'm finished. I've done it. I have ridden Oblivion. It was my first ever roller coaster, but it was tough and I did not enjoy it. Mind you, later on in the day, we went on Nemesis, which I think was the one that was released before that as supposedly the most scary. And actually, I found that quite relaxing after Oblivion, but I'm still not a fan of roller coasters. If I never go on another roller coaster between now and when I die, that's fine. I can cope with that easily. Not a problem. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I will never, ever go on another roller coaster. I really don't need that sort of stress in my life. Mind you, I would happily go and see Phil Collins in concert again, especially if his son is on the drums. He was amazing. If you do want to get in contact with me to tell me some of your stories, you can do via the website www.neilquigley.co.uk. Have a fantastic seven days. Have fun. Stay safe. Be nice to each other. And I'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.